baby! Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Armchair Reviews. Yes, this podcast lives, folks. Shit, it has been a minute, guys. It is good to be back. Honestly, it is good to be back. It has been a full three months since I've recorded last. That was when I was in Quebec for work training. Three months. The last episode, I think, was on John Wick 3. That's insane. That is insane. But I've settled down a little bit. Uh, A lot of changes have happened recently. And I'm here to tell you about it. A little bit about it. A little fraction of it, I should say. But a a lot, I should say, has been happening with me. I have pretty much uprooted my entire life. Guys, there's, it's been a three-month gap for a reason. While I was in training, the time that I had free to record diminished immensely. Uh, it, was, it was crazy. My schedule got insane, and I just didn't have time to spend on putting up the extra effort to, to press record on this, which is unfortunate because I really miss this. This is one of my favorite things to do. Even if it's with, if it, I love doing it with buddies. I don't mind doing it by myself. Tonight it will be a solo episode, uh, but it's just the way things go sometimes. Uh, now, uh, I actually, I finished my training back in July, and uh, I actually moved. I moved. I relocated, guys. It's a big move. So I was out in Quebec. I was living in Yellowknife, as some of you may know. But now, now, friends, I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia. That's right. I, uh, I, I drove after training was done. I, for, this is all for work, by the way. Uh, so I moved. I drove all the way across Canada yet again. And now I'm here in Vancouver. Um, work has been great. It's been crazy. Uh, I've started this new, new career of mine, this new job. It's going well. I think it's going well. But that's why I've been all over the place. Uh, I really wanted to do this. Didn't have the chance. There's been so much happening, as I said earlier. Now I have time to kind of breathe, get settled. I'm in a new apartment. I'm, I'm by myself here in a high rise. It's been great so far. Uh, some things are definitely, uh, I'm definitely getting used to it. But it's fine. It's all good, baby. It's all good in the hood. That being said, guys, I have a lot to catch up on. I have a fuckload to catch up on. I have been watching things. I have been seeing things that I've wanted to talk about, and now I'm going to be able to talk about it now. This episode, I'm going to be talking about mainly Ready or Not, the new horror flick that's been released recently this week, but I have a few other items I want to cover first, albeit briefly, uh, just to just get my feet wet, get back into the whole groove of things, because I'm going to be honest with you guys, <clears throat> Excuse me. this episode might be all over the place. I haven't done this in three months. It's like, it should be like riding a bike. However, I'd, I'd pro- I'm, pro- I'm probably going to fall off a couple times. That's just, that's just the nature of the business, probably. Um, but first and foremost, I'll cover what I've, I've watched uh, in theaters or what I've seen that's come out or is coming out on DVD. And then I'll talk about um, Netflix stuff that I've recently watched. And then I'll get into Ready or Not. It should be a shorter episode, I'm thinking. But who knows? This this can go on forever, especially if I get it on a tangent. You never know. Um, I wanted to get this out there as soon as I possibly could, so the research may not be there. You may 
be yelling at me through whatever uh, device you're you're listening to this through. But that's okay. I'll take it. I need to get back used to this, guys. You need to get used to me again. So let's start it off. First thing I want to talk about right now is Spider-Man Far From Home. As some of you know, Spider-Man is my favorite of all time. He is my man. And I was so excited to see this movie. Really excited. I, I, I like the casting of Tom Holland. He did a great job in the first one. He's been doing great uh, throughout the other Avengers movies and um, Homecoming. And I was really excited to see Mysterio, the character, come to the big screen. And it was even better that Jake Gyllenhaal, handsome Jake, our boy, was able to play the character. So I want to talk about that really quick. Uh, I won't go too in-depth. This this should have been an, an, its own episode pretty much, but... I really like this movie. Uh, it was it was really fun. I enjoyed uh, the interaction. I like how they took it away from from New York and it was on this field trip and stuff. Now again, I'm going off memory because it's been months since I've seen it, but I really like the dynamic that that Spider-Man had with Mysterio initially. Now, obviously, you know if you know the characters, you know Mysterio's an asshole. He's going to fuck. Peter Parker in the end in the end of it not literally but metaphorically he's gonna fuck him over um but they had a good relationship they had a good back and forth uh Peter Parker uh he's still dealing with the fallout and trying to live up to the expectations that Iron Man set with uh with Endgame and his whole legacy he's trying to live up to that which is I can I can feel that you know I can feel that I have my own issues with that but I definitely I I really appreciated that Throughout the entire movie, so he's he's trying to find someone that he can look up to. He puts it, he misplaces his trust in this piece of shit Mysterio, and honestly, it was it was pretty fun to watch. Now it wasn't great. There was a lot of errors in it that I can, if I were to rewatch it, I'd be able to to list them off to you. But I know when I left the theater, I was happy. It it did it did, you know, it reminded me a lot of the um, the animated Spider Man series where you saw Mysterio. Uh, fuck with Spider-Man quite a bit and it was very very comic accurate I really like Mysterio's illusions and stuff it really played with your head there were some other big reveals at the end of the movie I'm not going to get into that really right now but as a whole I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it and I, I really like how they teased the end of it especially that was a huge teaser but this is where I'm getting at right now because when it came out the news that I'm going to talk about in a second, hadn't come out. The whole news with Sony and Disney. I liked where this was going and where it could have potential in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. However, Sony and Disney keep having a fucking cock-measuring contest with regards to the rights of Spider-Man. And now it came out, I think, a week, a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, they're still pissing over it. And Disney lost the rights to Spider-Man. Or at least their partnership with Sony fell through. So now Spider-Man and all the properties regarding that won't... Like, Disney won't have any anything involved with that. Which is such a fucking piss-off. Because they're on the verge of greatness here, folks. Fuck! Like, this is, this is such a sore subject with me because it's just businessmen shitting over everything. Figure it out because... As a fan, and I think for 
I think. I think for a lot of fans too, they were going in the right place with this. And Sony, uh, I don't know if it's Sony's fault. I don't know if it's Sony's fault or it's Disney's fault. But something needs to get fixed here. It's really frustrating because finally he had this character, this awesome, huge character. Like he is, Spider-Man is one of the main figureheads of not just like fandom, <coughs> excuse me, but for like the, the massive public as, as itself. They know Spider-Man. They know what he's about. We all know his origin. And now Sony's pulled that away and they're going to be doing their own thing. That means with anything that may have included Venom, for example, or Morbius the Living Vampire, that's kind of coming out in the future. That has no chance of verging with Disney. At the current state right now, they can't include that in the MCU, which is really unfortunate. Like I'm really pissed off about that because having Tom Holland as Spider-Man interact with all these other characters, I thought he was great. And now my fear is... They're going to be recasting this character for the fourth time. I don't need another origin story of Spider-Man. I liked how the MCU skipped that and didn't even mention Uncle Ben. They kind of replaced Uncle Ben with Tony Stark, which it's hit or miss, really. I mean, in the comics, they have that relationship, sort of, because Peter Parker really looks up to Tony Stark, in a way, in certain uh, comic book streams, but... It's just so frustrating how it's the business side of this shit that interferes with ultimately good cinematic storytelling and, and what you can use these characters for and where they're going to head. And it, and it really diffuses the whole cliffhanger that Spider-Man Far From Home had. You even had J.K. Simmons shit as returning as this... Um, who's that crazy motherfucker that's all about the conspiracy... Conspiracy theories. Um, He was playing a version of that. Like, um, I'm going to pause this for a second. I'm going to look it up because I hate stumbling over my words. Just a second. Okay, Alex Jones. That's the guy. I just paused it for a minute there because I had some technical difficulties as well. But guess what? You didn't even notice. This is streamlined service. Also, the joys of amateur podcasting. You have to figure it out yourself because you don't have a producer. I'm my producer. Anyways, J.K. Simmons is Alex Jones. And because of that giant, that giant teaser at the end and Sony and Disney's feud, you're never going to know what happens with this story. At least I don't think so. Unless they go on to do their own stories. They may, they may very well continue this whole storyline with the next Spider-Man and keep Tom Holland, keep the original crew and cast, but then not include that in the entire rest of the MCU, which is going to be disjointed. Anyway, I'm done talking about it because it'll get me, it's already got me riled up. I don't want to be riled up, but I wanted to get that out of the way. Spider-Man from Far From Home, I enjoyed it. Cool. Next. Let me check my notes here real quick. Um, next one I saw uh, in the summer was the reboot of Aladdin, or not the reboot, I should say. It's the live a- action Aladdin. I saw it and I really I didn't want to see it per se, but I was kind of curious and it was just so-so. Um, a lot of the controversy around it, if there was any sort of controversy, was oh, Will Smith replacing Robin Williams. And that original Aladdin will always hold a special part 
of my heart because it was just so good. It was just so good. So good. Like remove the subliminal messages or any of that bullshit that you may have heard about Disney movies having, which they definitely did. I've, I've heard it. I've actually put on that scene where you've heard the subliminal message when Aladdin meets Jasmine on the balcony or whatever. I'm not going to go into that. You can look it up yourself because it's a thing. You may be hearing things, whatever, but I turn my TV up on blast for that. That's not here nor there. I thought it was fine. It was just serviceable enough that, yep, this is Aladdin. It's live action. Super duper. Um, But yeah, the whole Will Smith, Robin Williams thing. I thought Will Smith was actually pretty decent as the genie. It's no Robin Williams, but it was definitely, definitely fine. I didn't have any issues with that. What I did have issues with was at the end of the movie, the whole climax of it. It was not what the cartoon version of it was. And that was kind of disappointing. There's certain things from that original that wasn't included in the live action, which kind of soured it a little bit for me, but not in a way that I'm going to hate on the movie. It, they're both there. You can appreciate both for what they are. It's essentially, I mean, it is the same shit, but whatever. Again, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if I really care about seeing these live action versions of these movies. Um, I know the Lion King came out this summer. I didn't see it. I kind, I'm kind of interested in it because that movie is also great. Like the original, I should say. I keep saying I should say, and I've done this before, and I keep calling myself on it. I hate saying things repetitively. I'm sorry. But the original Lion King was so good, and I probably will, to this day, keep crying when Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa dies. It's heartbreaking. That scene is heartbreaking to me. I want to see it, but again, I have no real interest in it. And like, sure, the theater would be cool. I'll probably wait till it goes on eventually. It's going to go on now, Disney Plus. Netflix won't have those rights to those certain um, properties anymore. So it'll be on Disney Plus eventually. But whatever. I don't know if I, I've already seen these movies. I don't necessarily want to see them again. Certain remakes, I get it. I'll probably dabble in a little bit because at least it'll stray or I'll update it in a certain way. I don't necessarily need to see CGI characters of these animals or live action versions of like Aladdin, for example. I don't, it, it's just whatever. Uh, so Aladdin, the, 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 re, the reimagining, I guess you can say, and so, so, but it still left me wanting more and it actually made me want to watch the original again. So I could appreciate that for what it was and, and how good it was in the early nineties. Next one I want to talk about real quick, moving on from Aladdin, is another one I saw in theaters. Once I actually got to BC, I was in a hotel for about a week, uh, downtown Vancouver, was a little flick called Midsummer. Uh, I think it, I want to say it kind of flew under the radar, but this is from the same director that um, put on Hereditary. So I can't remember right now what the director's name is, but Hereditary was absolutely insane. It's really weird. It's a little bit of a slow burn, but it's intense when it gets intense. And it's creepy. It's eerie. The casting is phenomenal. The 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 um, portrayals of the characters, like, it's all acted very well. It's very eerie. That was good. I really liked Hereditary. Midsummer. it 
takes that slow burn and adds another probably nine inches of wax to make it an even slower burn is really slow. But again, really, it's really uncomfortable and it plays up on that um, against a beautiful backdrop. The scenery is gorgeous. It's in, it's, I think it's set in somewhere in Scandinavia. I can't remember. I think it's Sweden. I'm probably wrong here again. I'm going off the top of my head. This is three weeks ago or four weeks ago, whatever it is. But it's really eerie and you can kind of see where it's going. It's just an uncomfortable film to watch, but it's shot beautifully. Again, a really, really kind of long for my liking. Could have cut out quite a bit, but it's that extra time in these type of films that really make you like kind of squirm in your seat a little bit because you have an idea of where it's going. It's just how it gets there. And again, you know, you have these, these directors that have kind of that, that, that sophomore slump. I wouldn't say that this movie is a sophomore slump. It's definitely good for what it is. Not my usual cup of tea, I would say, Com- especially compared to Hereditary. I really like Hereditary a little bit better than this one. But the main actress, can't remember her name either, but she was really good in it. She leads this film start to finish. Kudos to her, but in a theater, and I saw it by myself, but it's just like, okay, let's get on with it. I get it. Let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. But at the same time, I was like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Definitely recommend watching it, but just know what you're getting yourself into. It's it's not a high action, high octane thriller by any means, but just just know what you're going to see. Okay, I I don't want to lead anyone astray here with what it is. Check it out eventually. Don't run out and see it, but check it out eventually because it will disturb you for the for the genre that it belongs to. Right. Uh, next one that I saw here, real quick, that I saw actually recently. I have a little bit more memory <laughs> with regards to this one. Uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. I saw this. I think just last week. And I was really excited to see this one because it's based on such an influential, did I say that right? Influential book that I think most of us may have read when we were younger. It's a, I think it's a technically a children's book, but it is horrifying. It probably gave us all nightmares if we had read it. And, and the artistry in that book, the, the pictures that came along with the stories were even more terrifying than the actual content of the stories but this one I saw the trailer I'm like yes it's produced or whatever by Guillermo del Toro for me the guy is hit or miss for what he produces obviously I talked about uh, James and I actually talked about it shout out to James my homie what up homie we talked about The Shape of Water and we really didn't like that movie and we don't understand how it got best picture of the Oscars obviously it's bullshit that point aside I was really looking forward to this one, especially from the source material it's coming from. I was like, okay, cinematic version of this shit. I'm on board. The trailer got me on board. Saw it. I want to burn this movie to the ground. It was, it couldn't decide whether its audience was aim or if, if it was aiming for an audience that was for kids or teenagers or for adults. I couldn't get it. And they were on the cusp of being really, really entertaining. 
like everything involved with that really entertaining. But fuck, I could I could think right now of a better way to do this movie. I was even talking to one of my friends about it. Like, you have this entire movie. Okay, it's a haunted book. You write or you summon a spirit. It's a ghost story essentially, and the this book starts writing stories, and the stories come to life. Right there, for me, if I had looked into this movie a little bit better, for me, I would have been like, oh, this this should either be a Netflix TV series or an anthology series, like a, an anthology movie, I should say. God damn it, I did it again. Come on, Chris, pull your shit together. I should say, God damn it. I'm my biggest critic. Don't worry, I'm with you. But as I was saying, if you had this story, because it's all little snippets, each story that's being written is specific to each character in the movie. And now most of the characters in it are basic archetypes. The lead actress, uh, she was fine. I think the the curly-headed, funny young actor was probably the standout in it, but he had the worst end of it all, pretty much. I'll get to that in a second, but... Make this movie, in my, in my humble armchair review opinion, if you have an idea that places a different story with each character, have it an anthology where you have each episode in a series, for example, have an hour with that and expand upon that, you know, where, where this horror thing is coming from, where the where the characters are coming from because the story that's being written in the book is supposed to be aimed or targeted towards each character in the movie. So if that's the case, have each episode be targeted to the character. However, dive deeper into the basic archetype of what you're trying to portray in that character. You'll have an hour for each character in each story to develop. And maybe you'll actually feel something towards these characters rather than just being like, Okay, whatever. Who gives a shit? I think that would be so much better and so much more of an enjoyable experience, especially with the source material because it's so... It's old, sure. But a lot of people know where it, where this comes from and, and it's been around forever. There's some good parts of this movie, sure. But they're, I feel like they were still too... They're shying away from what they really wanted to do. And I think it pigeonholed themselves to their full potential. It could have been a great ghost story or whatever, but it it just it just infuriated me. I was literally pissed by the time the movie ended and I walked out of it because it just did not live up to what it could have been. And that always breaks my heart a little bit, especially for horror movies. Horror movies are obviously a dime a dozen, but if you get a good one, out of every 10, it's kind of worth it. This one pissed me off. But again, I don't want to get riled up. I'm getting riled up again. It's bringing back my Spider-Man <laughs> anxiousness for the future, but it's all safe for now. Avoid scary stories to tell in the dark unless you're a 14-year-old because you'll probably like it. But um, I'll just quickly go over the, one, the, the movies that... I watched recently uh, that came out for or, or going to come out recently for for DVD or download or whatever. There's three of them I saw. First one being Men in Black International. 
it's serviceable for a Men in Black movie. I really like the combination of Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Obviously, they're from they had chemistry from Thor Ragnarok. I like it. I like how they're going with it. it. It's very much. It's very similar to the first one in the sense that you have this rookie coming in with an older veteran. I like their relationship. Kind of can see where the story is going. Serviceable Men in Black. Um, kind of revamp of the product, right? Definitely better than Men in Black 2 because that movie was a pile of shit. If you want to check it out, check it out if you're a fan of the Men in Black series. Next up, Godzilla King of Monsters. Finally see more Godzilla on the big screen. Thank fucking Christ. The first one in 2014, uh, directed by Gareth Edwards, I think it was. He knows how to shoot this stuff, but... Give us more of what you're selling. The main title character in that first one barely saw Godzilla. When he did see him, fucking awesome. Giant monster, atomic breath, cool. This one, they amp it up to the extreme. You have monsters all over the place, fighting, kicking the shit at each other. Godzilla gets a superpower upgrade. Fantastic. They're obviously building towards the Godzilla versus King Kong. I can't wait to see it because it's going to be so ridiculous and outlandish, and that's what this movie was. I had a good time with it because I know what I, I knew what I was getting myself into. It's supposed to be ridiculous. Enjoy it for its ridiculousness. Next, um, let's see. Annabelle comes home. I missed it in theaters. I wanted to see it there, but I didn't. Got my hands on a copy of it. Uh, I really like the James Wan kind of universe for Annabelle and the whole uh, Warren kind of universe i guess you can say except for the nun that movie can fuck off right now obviously i've explained it in a previous episode that movie fucking sucks brutal didn't like it cash grab this one kind of along the same string of things had a lot of potential brought a couple callbacks to the old movies like the conjuring movies i guess it is the conjuring universe but again didn't live up to any potential mainly aimed at teenagers not really all that scary. Again, a couple jump scares, a couple few frights here and there, but it just it just wasn't as good as the others, especially the first Annabelle. The first one is kind of dark, but for the third one, do better. All right, let's break here real quick. Now on to the TV shows. First one I want to get into quick um, before going to the next two. This one's kind of just one I, I saw on Netflix that came out recently. And I'm like, I'll turn it on because whatever, 10 episodes. Uh, Woo Assassin. Woo Assassins? Woo Assassin. Singular, plural, I can't remember. A lot of sweet action. It. I, I don't want to get into the story quite a bit because it's ridiculous. You know, you have this like one chosen warrior to defeat like elementals essentially that you get a spirit rock that goes into you and you have control over earth, wood, water, fire, metal, and you have the assassin that's trying to, it's supposed to kill them all. But a lot of sweet fucking ass kickery going on in this. You even have the one guy from John Wick 3 who is John Wick's main adversary throughout it and his best fan essentially. But a lot of sweet action, a lot of like kung fu, karate, judo chopping. It's pretty it's pretty entertaining once you get over like the corniness of it because it is corny. You have um, what's her name? Catherine something. She's from Viking. She's in it as well. She's pretty good at it as a, as a supporting character. But it's it's definitely entertaining. You don't you don't necessarily need to watch it 
attentively. You're just there to watch the fights, and the fights are awesome. It's well choreographed. It's kind of cut all right, but it's definitely entertaining. I, w- I would say it's entertaining at least to check it out. Again, it can be super cheesy at times because you kind of know where it's going. I'm, I'm kind of sick of this whole, like, oh, you're the one to lead us into safety and save everything. The whole Destiny bullshit. It's It's been done before. It's been done better, but whatever. I, en- I enjoyed it because it was ridiculous and pretty fun when I was paying attention to it, but I watched it all. Uh, next one really quick. This one I'm... I could, again, do another entire episode on it. From Amazon Prime, I put it off for a while, but it's but it's out there now. The Boys. I can't recommend this series enough. It Again, it's superheroes. You know I love my superheroes, but they take the genre and flip it upside down. It's based on an actual comic, not Marvel, not DC, but it's so effing good. I was not familiar with this with this franchise or this 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 comic beforehand. But I started looking into it when I started watching it and it is fan fucking tastic. It is violent. They swear. The storytelling is great. The characters are are deep even though they seem very shallow, especially the superheroes. Uh, essentially it is a Justice Justice League type of uh, superhero group, and they're called I think the Seven or whatever. And it's if the Justice League were to sell out and become a giant commodity that had their own PR team. They were they're run by a, an independent company that oversaw everything that they did. And these superheroes are just giant fucking dickheads. But in the public, they're seen as these awesome heroes. And you get this ragtag group of people that are that have had their own personal experiences with these type of people. And they're like, fuck this, we're fighting back. That's all I'll say about that for now. It is so good. It is so good. It's raw. It is gritty. It's not what you're used to or expect from this type of, of, of genre. I can't recommend it. I think it's eight episodes. You'll be entranced from the first episode and you want to find out more. Even, as I said, even though these, some of the like superheroes maybe seem shallow and like shitty, which they absolutely are, there, there are layers if you look into it deep enough and you can peel them back because they're all traumatized in some way, in, in some sense. But definitely watch The Boys. Uh, finally for TV series that I just finished last week because it just came out last week or the week before. Been waiting for this one for a long time since the end of the first season happened, but Mind Hunter season 2. Oh, my Lanta. So good. So good. I can't emphasize that enough. If you haven't watched the first season of Mind Hunter, and you're all about true crime and a dramatization of true crime, watch the first season before you get into season two, obviously. Season two is so good. They include a few more real-life serial killers, the big one being, obviously, the Atlanta child murders case. That's the main storyline. And, of course, Charles Manson and his buddy Tex, 
who of course the Manson family murders. It's in, it's so good. These, ugh, I'm I'm overwhelmed right now because this is something. It's not like what I was talking about with Wu Assassins. You need to pay full attention to the series while you're watching it. There's so many little intricacies of it, whether you're watching the characters or the plot or whatever. Just take your time, watch it. No Netflix and chill here, guys. If you do that, restart the episode. I'm telling you right now, you've missed so much. Um, the first season was mainly focused on our main character, played by Jonathan Groff. This time, it focuses on his his kind of his partners, Bill Tench. Can't remember who the act, actor who plays that, but his whole family side of things. And um, the other psychologist there. I can't remember her character or her actor's name right now. But it goes into their separate lives. And you, and you learn a little, bit, a little bit more about their personal lives. And what's going on with them. And how it influences their work. As well as their home lives. So, so good. And just just do yourself a favor. This is quality television. I can't, I can't say it enough. Watch Mindhunter Please watch Mindhunter. I want season three out immediately. Check it out. I don't want to spoil anything more. Check it out, please. Um, all right, quick break. I'll be right back. And we'll start into our feature for this episode, what it's all about. I thought it was hilarious how the movie I chose to finally restart the podcast with was Ready or Not, because I'm certainly not ready to do this again. Feels good, though. But, um, yeah, Ready or Not. Here we come. Let's do it. So I recently saw the trailer for this movie and because I didn't hear a whole lot about it before it came out, but I saw the trailer um, just before I had seen Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, but it was kinda, I was kind of half paying attention to it. But then I saw the trailer for it in Scary Stories and I'm like, oh shit, this kind of looks like it's going to be really fun. And I had really high expectations for it. Because, you know, I really like the blending of of types of movies. I, I want to say genre again. Because this is definitely going to be like a... I thought it was going to be definitely dark comedy and horror mixed together, mixed with thriller. Which it definitely is. I'm not going to take it away, take that away from this movie. But that trailer, you're like, oh shit. It's intense. Like, it, a lot of things happen in that trailer. And I'm like, oh shit. This is going to be fun. I really want to see this movie. It was get, I think he was getting some high praise from from whoever that matters, like critics or the film festival that I was out at. But I, it, it intrigued me so much so that I'm like, yep, yeah, you know what? There, there are bigger movies currently right now. Like, obviously, you have fucking Hobbs and Shaw, for Christ's sake, or the Fast and Furious, whatever. I have no interest in that because I know how that movie is going to play out. You have two badasses. They're both fucking jacked and bald. And they're going to beat up another guy that's jacked and close to being bald. <laughs> really short hair, whatever. It's going to be absolutely insane. And you know what? That probably will be fun, but I'll check it out later. I'm, again, that's the big movie that's out right now. But I mean, you know what? I want to see this one. I want to see this one. Maybe it'll restore my faith in horror movies compared to scary stories. So that trailer was really the hook for me. But I've said this before, and I'll say it fucking again. The trailer got me to see it. However, 
However, the trailer gave everything away. It gave everything away. Whoever is making these things, you need to find that that balance between getting people enticed by the premise of the flick and also not giving everything away. Oh, my goodness gracious. Because that trailer, I mean, it's a sick trailer. But when you go to see the movie, you're like, oh, I've seen this thing. I've seen this thing. I've seen this thing. And it really does give away the best, like, kind of funniest, darkest parts of the flick, essentially. So when I was seeing it, I'm like, when I was watching the actual movie, I'm like, oh, fuck. I've seen this already. I've seen this already. There are no surprises. There are, there are maybe a few. But if you've seen anything, anything before... You know what's going to happen for the most part. For the most part. But that's what I'll say about that for now. Again, guys, I know I, I didn't talk too much, too many, too much, too many spoilers before with what I was uh, giving you a quick quick uh, recap of, of what I've recently seen. I usually do it at the end of the episode, but whatever. But now this is this is full spoilers here, okay? Um before we get into that, let's let's talk about what this whole movie is about. I've had my rant about the trailers. I'm not going to get back to that. Maybe I will. I don't know. So, bride to be, or newly bride, newly newly married couple, Alex and Grace, going to be married. They're getting married at the the family estate of Alex. His family hosts it at this fucking castle, essentially this giant mansion. Alex's family is well off. They're loaded. They're like a Parker Brothers, um, Milton Bradley type, what Alex is to say, Dominion. They're this giant family. They're, they're loaded. They're absolutely loaded. They made, they made their money on board games and games and game cards or whatever in the past. And Grace is joining this family. And the tradition is for this family, once they're married, cool, that's, that's secondary to what happens at midnight. For Grace to really join the family, she has to play a game. And that game will, you know, will decide whether she's included or not. But there's one little catch. There's there's one playing card that it, it's all chosen from by random out of this little little box. I want to say like a dibbit dibbit box essentially because it holds like a an evil spirit or whatever. But the 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 box decides what's printed on this blank card, and that's what game you play. Of course, it ends up being hide and seek. I'm pretty sure they would have named this movie Hide and Seek if it weren't for the 2005 movie Hide and Seek with Robert De Niro and Dakota Fanning. But ready or not, good enough. So, of course, this is the one game that happens where, you know, Hide and Seek, shit hits the fan. Little does Grace know, she thinks she's in this fun, fun kid game. Oh, no. By the way, the family is now hunting you to kill you and use you as a sacrificial uh, piece of meat to keep that family alive or keep that family fortune going. You get a little bit of um, backstory with regards to that when they finally, before they pull the card out, whatever. This is all from the trailer, so it doesn't give anything away. It kind of feels like um, it has a mix between the purge and also Cabin in the Woods because it's a home kind of hide-and-seek game. 
which is essentially the purges. And then you have the cabin of woods that has that horror mixed with the comedy. So I like that blending it has a good premise, but again, everything that that's violent or whatever that happens in it, you know, it's going to happen kind of, cause you see the, the big things that happen in the trailers, but that's the basic premise. Like grace has no idea what she's getting into. She's played by Samara weaving. Um, she was also in a Netflix movie called, uh, let me see the babysitter. Another kind of fun, kind of comedic horror slasher movie. But you know what actually intrigued me with this movie is like when I first saw the trailer, I'm like, Oh shit. Is that Margot Robbie? I would love to see her in this kind of thing. It's not. It's Samara weaving who, by the way, is also Australian and who is also like, it's funny when I looked up IMDb for, for Samara Weaving, the, the fun trivia facts that she posts for is like, oh, has been compared to, compared, compared to Margot Robbie. Yeah, no fucking shit. <laughs> she, has, she looks identical for, to her. Jesus Christ, she is a twin of Margot Robbie. And it, like, it is absurd how similar these two look. And they're both Australian and they're both gorgeous, blonde, blue-eyed, just why is that trivia first of all imdb of course they're fucking looking similar oh i thought that was pretty funny but that was initially what caught my eye because i am a big fan of margot robbie first of all she's a great actress second of all um i don't know if you know this but she is gorgeous and i may have a little bit of a crush on her see that how my voice went up like a couple octaves there yeah so, same feeling for Samara Weaving, who also leads this movie spectacularly. She is such a good, I want to say final girl, because that's the, the terminology that these, these type of horror movies have for these characters, but she's the only girl, <laughs> basically. But she, she's so good. She goes through so much shit in this. Her character goes through so much shit in this movie. And just her personality, the character that they, that they make her portray, I kind of just want to be that character's friend. Like she's so relatable because she's like she's swearing at all the right right moments in the movie. Like just like any anytime she says she like takes a deep breath and just says like, "Oh fuck!" Like that's exactly what you would say in that situation. The supporting cast uh, is is great as well. You know, I mean, the 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 boyfriend not, not the boyfriend. I, should, um, I was gonna say it again. I cut myself off. The um, the husband to be played by Mark O'Brien. You can kind of see where his character's going. He's kind of a bit of a milk toast. He's a sweetheart, but again, you can obviously tell there's a dark side to him, which comes out at the end of the movie. You have Adam Brody, our boy from the OC. He's very, I feel like he's typecast these days with that kind of like fun-loving, kind of an asshole type character. He plays that really well, and you get a, a glimpse of how his character has developed over the years. Cause you get this, the intro, um, one of the first times you've ever seen hide and seek play played. Um, it has an effect on that kid. Cause he's at like five or six, seven, how old, however old he is. He's trying to protect his brother. His character's name is Daniel. The husband to be is named Alex trying to protect his little brother, Alex. He hides him in, the, in a closet or whatever, but he sees everything. And that kind of explains why he's a, debaucherous alcoholic because he's traumatized um you have the the patriarch and the matriarch played by andy mcdowell and henry uh, cerny i believe uh 
they're they're great as their characters as well. I, I think Henry Cer- Cerny, I want to say his name is. You recognize him when you see him. He oh, he's always playing this type of figure who's always like the domineering patriarch who's an asshole. But every other supporting character, like the the sister Emily, she's she's pretty funny because she's just so fucking useless and, and actually causes the deaths, the like the the poor deaths of of that the waiting staff. She's 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 actually she's very familiar. I was like, where have I seen her from? Where have I seen her from? She's in a couple series. Uh, Winona Earp, I believe. She's like a vampire or whatever. A vampire hunter, I should say. But she's also in fucking Letterkenny. I was like, oh my god, that's Mrs. McMurray. Holy shit. Of course that's her. And she plays that like frantic, cokehead, drug addict very well because she's obviously traumatized. I thought she was pretty funny. And guess what? IMDB tells me she's born in Ottawa. Holla, what up? Represent Ottawa, my girl. That's where I'm from, dog. So she's she's pretty she's pretty funny. Um, again, the hu- the husband wife of the other siblings they're they're pretty good too, but because they're 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 equally as shallow and and shitty as as the the actual family. But once that movie kicks off and it kicks off pretty quick, it's it's a fun little roller coaster ride. Like, again, like you can kind of see where it's going. I thought I thought it was fun. For the most part, I thought it was fun. Even even when it gets to the more like ridiculous aspects of it cuz it's all based around like the card game is you can kind of see like oh, the previous great great grandfather sold his soul to this Mr. LaBelle and that was that guy was obviously a demon or Satan himself for Christ's sake, and that's how this family got their fortune for this uh for their game dynasty and and this, again, the setting is pretty funny, funny because it's very reminiscent of Clue itself, especially with some of, some of the way like the characters die and what they're killed with. Like, for example, like the little pistol that Emily has, it's very reminiscent of Clue. You know, you have all the candlesticks around. Um, you have the butler that's a bit of a, well, more than a bit of a dick, but a dick. It's, it's really funny with those, those kind of connections, so... Once it kicks off, it's it kicks off. It, it it just gets going, and you see Grace be put through shit. It's obviously she's trying to be used for this demonic uh, ritual. I think it, like the movie in the UK was actually called like family family ritual or some shit like that. But it just it, every time something bad happens, there's always like a comedic comedic break with it, and like someone has like a one liner to say to it, and that kind of kind of makes it a little bit more funny even though there's like grotesque violence in it like someone's like skull being blown off or like a, a crossbow going through the mouth and like it's someone being decapitated you don't actually see the decapitation thank god but it it's just like I don't know like exactly how I feel about it because it's so absurd because it starts off like oh yeah I can see like a rich family being crazy and absolute full of shit but then it, it, it again it it goes into that that supernatural element, and it, again, it plays on that. Is this they're they're scared for a reason, or is this whole ritual bullshit? And the climax, they definitely play on that quite right at the end. But <laughs> eventually, it ends up being real. But like they 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 don't even know, so they're they're unsure. And even though these people are terrible, 
they're doing this just out of the fear of if it may be real. They they don't actually know, which is hilarious. So they're, they're going, they're they're fumbling around through this entire like this this hunt, this hide and go seek game for Grace. And you see Grace develop, and but it, they, they 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 don't know. They don't know if it's real. They're just gonna do it to just just in case it it is, you know. I want to talk about Grace's character for a second, Samara Weaving. She goes from this this frightful, like, terrified, like, baby lamb, essentially, with her giant doe eyes. Beautiful, by the way. And she just goes on this mission. Eventually, she, st- she has this one little, little bit of a montage where she rips off. She's wearing her Converse shoes. She rips off the bottom of her dress. She puts on this bandolier. Gets this old timey shotgun, and by the way, the bullet or the not the bullets, but the uh, the rounds that he puts in there are just fucking like elephant shotgun rounds for Christ's sake. They don't end up working, but she puts on the bandolier. She has a shotgun. She looks herself in the mirror. She's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like, she, of course, it looks ridiculous. She even knows that it's ridiculous. That self awareness makes it a little bit more funny. But you see her development develop through through like most of these final girls. And I liked how at the end of it, like you have the she's she's in her wedding dress throughout the entire movie, but it starts off white. At the end of it, obviously she's covered in blood. It's kind of looking black a little bit, so it's like this. The dress is a almost a personification of how she's developed from this innocent, you know, girl trying to join a family to oh, she's a hardened vet that's been through the shit, literally. Um. Again, you don't really know if the supernatural elements are real. It goes on like family has this fucking barn and all they have in it are goats. Are fucking goats, which is a clear sign of the devil. <laughs> which it's, it's a little bit on the nose, but it's hilarious. They have this well that they dump all the bodies of like the sacrificial goats and, and even the bodies of the, the previous victim of the last hide and seek game 30 years ago or whatever. Oh, that reminds me. The one character that was so fucking cartoonish in their appearance. And I just need to say this right now before I forget. Fuck. I'm going to, I'm going to IMDB this while I, while I have this thought in my mind. Um, Aunt, Aunt Helene or Helene, Helene played by Nikki Gadani. Probably not saying that right, but she looks like a goddamn Disney character that's the villain like her her spiked hair she looks absolutely ridiculous and obviously always pissed off she looks like she could be like Corella DeVille's like sister she looks so absurd but it's obviously done on purpose to make her look like a fucking witch it's it's done well but it's just it's kind of distracting because it's so comedic it's so funny in the way that they make her dress Fuck. And she's obviously just insane. She's absolutely insane. <sighs> what else can I talk about this movie that, that I need to say about? Because I didn't hate it. I walked away from it. This isn't like scary stories. I walked away from it that I actually did appreciate bunches of it. But I don't know if it's as good as people are saying it is. I think it is enjoyable. I think it's worth a watch for a fun little popcorn flick. I don't know if I'd see it in theaters because you don't necessarily need to. But it's just the reactions that these characters go through when people die. It's just like a 
like an inconvenience. They're like flipping coins to decide who's going to drag the body out or who's going to get the head top or the feet part, which is, it's, it's darkly amusing. So I appreciated that. I would say check it out, but eventually you don't have to go rush out to see it, but it, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's darkly. Fun. If you have a dark sense of humor, you're going to like this flick. So I think that's why I was attracted to see this rather than the bigger movies that are out right now. Um, yeah. So that's, that's all I'll say about that for now. It had a budget of about 8 million, I think, or 6 million. And in the first weekend that's been out, I think five days or something, it's made 13 million. It's not crazy. It didn't get a, I didn't think it get, got a whole lot of marketing for it, but it's obviously made its money back a bit and you know, it's going to hit its home, home movie release or whatever. It's made its money back. I really don't think I see it making a sequel because I think it's just a good one-off. I don't like movies ham-fisting sequels in. Oh, which reminds me, Scary Stories did exactly that. Which, fuck you, fuck you hard because it's so ham-fisted. Ugh. Okay. Told myself I wouldn't get riled up. This one, I hope it's a good one-off. Just like Cabin in the Woods was a good one-off. Leave it as such. And that's it. I think that's it. Guys, we've made it. I made it through another episode. I'm back, baby. Hopefully I'll be here to stay. No, I will be here to stay. I'm going to do this more often. I have my regular schedule now. I'm getting settled in my new place. I'm going to keep this puppy rolling. I'm going to keep it rolling. It's not going to be a three-month gap. I promise you that. So this is where I'd be saying what I've normally been watching. I've already done that. It's all good. We already talked about that earlier. It's a little bit different from the usual podcast. That's fine. I know this one was a little bit choppy. I wish I could have had... Um, more notes for the other, other other things that I talked about, but I just wanted to get it out there. Gave my basic opinion, opinion, opinions, <laughs> opinions about it. Thank you guys for listening so much. I appreciate you guys. Um, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at Christopher gods. You can also uh, follow the podcast Instagram, which I will again, start that up once more at armchair reviews. I think it's at armchair reviews. Uh, I know the Twitter was at armchair pod. I don't really go on that so much anymore. Uh, I hate Twitter. I've always hated Twitter, but it is what it is. Uh, the email for the show, if you want to send in some requests for what things I should check out and give an opinion on, or if you have any thoughts, feelings, comments about anything at all, email the show podcast, oh my God, an audio at gmail.com. I will either reply to you or read your emails out on the air thank you again so much for listening this podcast will be out once again on all the usual suspects uh google play spotify itunes stitcher all the good stuff you can find it on some other uh, podcast providers those are the big the big ones but until next week guys probably next week thank you again for listening can't cannot emphasize that enough thanks for sticking with me thanks for being patient while i get my shit together and until next time guys au revoir mon amis bye bye